Well, Mark and Brendan aren't here, so we can do whatever we want. (laughs) Brendan's out in California at a family reunion with his family. He went out there with his father and little Gracie. (laughs) So they're traveling together. So we bless them. And Mark has been helping uh, a church in need in the area, and he's with them today, so we bless him too. Well, already I don't want to start where I thought we would start. Um, How many of you were moved and could feel the love of the Lord in our opening? And I just, if you don't mind, just hands raised high. Yeah. Um, I was ruined. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh no, can we just stay here for 45 minutes? So we'll try and maybe make this short and go back there. And Morgan comes up to me and goes, are you okay? And then Morgan's a safe place for me, so I start crying. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Um, so I'm not really sure what the Lord is going to bring out of today's message. I've prepared, but let's be listening. Let's be listening to what he wants to say to us because it might take us off the map. And um, I don't want to be afraid of the, of the, the risk of what that might be. Because when we're secure in Jesus, which we will talk about today, because he is undeniably unshakable, we can risk, and we can step out, we can reach out, we can go off the map, because we can trust him, because he's our anchor, we're anchored in him, and it's solid, it's super, super solid. Um, I am going to start us off with a video, which will really help my heart get back (laughs) from where it just was, Um, not that it has to, but... I wanted to right now. (laughs) And so just watch this video and then we'll talk about it. My mother-in-law does not think those are funny when people get hurt. And it's so hard to watch that with her because we're all laughing and she's like, that is not funny. (laughs) But we think it's kind of funny. Sometimes life brings some unexpected things. They don't go as we plan. (laughs) They don't go as we think they ought to go. 
and we end up in places that we thought I thought never thought I would be here. And sometimes they just don't go as they plan. So what do we do in the midst of that? And our, our section in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews today, he's really going to help us understand what do we do with that. What do we do when life is shaking and life is wavering and where do we go with that? But before we even get to Hebrews, we have to go back. If you've noticed through our series of Hebrews, the author, he talks about a lot of history because it's their history. It's what they know. So they, he talks about Moses. He talks about um, all the fathers of the faith. He talks about, um, he quotes Psalms a lot. He brings us back in history a lot. And he brings us to Jesus. He brings us back to history. He brings us to Jesus. He brings us back to history. He brings us to Jesus. And that's, again, what he does today. And so today, though, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 19. I don't have it up on the screen. I just want to talk about the story. The Israelites have left. They're out in the wilderness. They have all these things, all these things that they've gone through. They're trying to follow Moses. But what do they do when they're following Moses? We're going to die in the wilderness, they say. Why have you brought us out of Egypt where we were fed? We're going to die in the wilderness. And the Lord gives them manna. And they complain about the manna. He gives them quail. He complains about the quail. They hoard the manna. They even gather it because they don't trust it'll be there in the morning like he said it would be. So they hoard it and they gather it. And do you know what happens to it the next day? It's rotten. So they thought, they had a plan. I'm going to take more than I need because I'm not sure what tomorrow will bring. And then they wake up and it's rotten. It's that, one of the funniest ones for me on that video is when the kid's running and he runs into the sign. I'm like, he had no idea that that sign was going to hit him. And he just ran into it. And I thought it was funny. And so... <laughs> How many times do we feel like that in life? And I think the Israelites are feeling like this. They're thirsty. God provides water. He saves them from enemy armies. He's, God is revealing himself over and over and over to the Israelites, saying, this is, what you, this is what I can do for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. Remember the promises I made to you. Hang on to those because they're true and they're real and I'm real. He gives them wisdom of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, for a judicial system. I'll take that word out next service. That will keep Moses from burnout. And then they arrive at Mount Sinai. And Exodus chapter 19 is where I'm going to read just a little bit, just a few verses, uh, 12 and 13. So you can just listen if you want to, but listen. Now they're at Mount Sinai. Uh, Let me show you what a picture, what that looks like, maybe. Turn it on. Because I, I like to see. This is the region. These are the, the Sinai Mountains. So this is what it looks like where they are. Does that look desert-like? <laughs> Does it look like you could find water and food there? Probably not. But yet the Lord's providing for them. And this is where they end up. And so they're at the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses is writing. And he says this. The Lord says to Moses, Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. I'd be like, where does the foot start? How do I know where the foot is? Because I don't want to touch it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. 
he shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not permitted shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up the mountain. Then verse 16, on the morning of the third day there was a thunder, lightning, thick cloud over the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast. Can you imagine? This is all happening. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it with fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. This is their history. The the recipients of the letter of Hebrews, this is their history. These are their people. This is where they come from, and they know this, and they know it well. In Deuteronomy 9, we hear that Moses is, they're at the Jordan. They're about ready to cross the Jordan. And Moses recounts this again, this, this experience, this incident, this event. He recounts it again. And he says, I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord. This is their history. And this leads us to today's chapter. We're going to look at this few of the scriptures and then we're going to talk about it. Here's the scriptures, starting in verse 18. You have not come to a physical mountain, a place of flaming fire. Okay, so do you see it? This is their history, and now, how many years later, the hundreds and hundreds of years later, he's recounting it. So this means something to the author, or to the recipient. It means something to the author, but also to who he's writing to. You have not come to a physical mountain. What is he saying? You, this is not Sinai. This is not where we are. A place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. It's not where they're at. They staggered back. The Israelites staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Hebrews 12, 21, Moses himself was so frightened at the sight, he said, I am terrified and trembling. He's quoting Deuteronomy 9. I'm terrified and trembling. So it, it's, he's completely relating to who he's writing to, isn't he? You can see the connection of why he's doing this. It's a story, the Israelite story is a story of doubt. It's a story of anxiety. It's a story of fear. It's a story of hoarding. I mean, let's be real. I mean, there is, there is the victory at the end, but let's just talk about what they were in the midst of. They were in the midst of fear, anxiety, hoarding, hoarding, untrusting, rebellion, waiting, and more waiting. And guess what? More waiting. Who likes to wait? I hate to wait. Yes, I know. You heard that. Uh, you know, who likes to wait? Stumbling and discipline. Remember last week, Brendan talked about what discipline is. Discipline is really bringing us back to the presence of God. Discipline is used to bring us back into his presence. Well, isn't that what God was doing with the Israelites all the time? Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Quit rebelling. Quit 
fearing, quit mistrusting, come back to me. I've got, I've got this. I've got a plan for you. When I, when I read these things, doubt, anxiety, fear, hoarding, conflict, power struggles, timidity, rebellion, waiting, stumbling, I think, hmm, kind of sounds like my life. Maybe not every day, every minute, but sounds a lot like my life. I think when I was a kid, it was totally my life. Before I knew the Lord, it was completely my life. And the more I surrender to him and the more I anchor myself in him, the less it is my life. But it's still there because we're human. Because our world gets shaken, doesn't it? Our world gets shaken and we get shaken. Maybe some of us are in a place right now where our world is shaken. If not, hallelujah, that's great. But if it is, how do you respond to that? Our, our, our country gets shaken. You know, th- I think about South Carolina. And I think about the shooting that happened at Emmanuel AME Church in South Carolina where nine people were killed. Someone came in with a gun and said, I'm here to shoot you because of your color. It's not okay. I was doing, just thinking about it, and the Lord just had me praying and interceding a lot for that event and just for our country and all the things that have been going on lately, especially around the issues of race. And, and the governor of South Carolina said, today the soul of the South Carolina has been broken. The soul of South Carolina has been broken. Our souls should be broken for that too. It's not okay. And our world is shaken. And we are shaken. And we have lots of things that are in this fallen world that are shaken. But today the the author brings us somewhere where we can say, yeah, it's shaken. And we have Jesus. It's shaken. But hang on. Because there is good news even in the midst of trial, anxiety, fear, evil, even in the midst of evil, hang on, because there's good news. And this is what the author of Hebrews says today. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and the countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Quite a contrast, wouldn't you say, to Mount Sinai? You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself. This is what the author is, is offering. He's offering this, this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about a God that, that's going to smite you down like Brendan was talking yes, last week, yesterday, seems like yesterday. And he's not talking about that. He's talking about this. Let me be honest with you. This is the good news. This is what you've come to. You've come to God himself. You even have access to him. You have access to him. It's okay to touch the mountain. 
The work has been done that you can touch the mountain where God resides. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. Then listen to this, and I think it's the point of the author. You have come to Jesus. He's not saying you will come to Jesus. He's not saying to these guys that, that you can come to Jesus. He's saying you have come to Jesus. You are his. Don't forget it. Don't forget it when the world shakes us. Don't forget it when your world is shaken and it feels like everything around you is crumbling and you're not going to get enough food for the next day. Whatever that illustration means to you. But you've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant. Because remember what happened at Mount Sinai? They received the covenant. They received the Ten Commandments. God says, this is my covenant with you. And they gave him the Ten Commandments. And now this author is saying, you have received a new covenant. It has meaning to them. It has implications to them between God and people. And to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. You have come to Jesus. I think that's what God wants to remind us of today. We have come to Jesus. That's where, we're, that's where we sit. That's where we're in. It doesn't take away struggle. It doesn't take away sorrow. It doesn't take away problems. But for some I think it's just a supernatural faith that we have. It undergirds it. It's like we bring it with us. In, with the sorrow and with the grief and with the trouble, it like supports us. It stabilizes us. We know that it's there. They're both there. They're both there. All through Hebrews, the author says so many things about Jesus, trying to get them to understand who they have and who they have come to. He's the exact representation of God. He's better than the angels. He's the founder of all salvation, greater than Moses. Can you hear this? We've talked about this through this series of Hebrews. He's a great high priest. He's the once and for all, the perfect and final sacrifice, the undeniably unshakable person, trustworthy Jesus Christ. He's bringing us back to God. He's disciplining us. (laughs) He's disciplining us and telling us, don't forget, you're with Jesus. He's not brought us to the mountain of fear, but he's brought us to the mountain of joy. He's not brought us to a place of anger and wrath, but he's brought us to a place of grace and forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness is the new covenant. And grace and forgiveness is what we need to be, I need to be reminded of all the time that I'm walking in grace and forgiveness, not anger and wrath. Verse 25, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. I love this pastoral heart of this author. He's like, okay, let me just remind you and remind you and remind you and remind you and remind you. Oh, one more thing. Oh, yeah, oh, and remind you. Oh, and also be careful. He's like, he's like a father. like a good father it's the word of the lord who is a good and gracious father be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking for if the people of israel did not escape 
when they refuse to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. How do we lose track of him who is unshakable? There's this paradox of the soul that only God can satisfy the soul, yet more times than not, we try and fill it with something else. You know, uh, it's... You know what I mean. Choosing the lesser choice is what it is for me these days. Jesus is saying, choose me, I'm the better choice. Choose me, I'm the better choice. Choose me, I'm the better choice. Choose me when you want to watch something you shouldn't be watching, I'm the better choice. Choose me when you want to eat something that you really shouldn't be eating, I'm the better choice. Choose me when you're trying to fill your life with busyness to earn me to earn my love, because just choose me, because I'm the better choice. Choose me when you want new toys that are for, to fill that void rather than just enjoyment. If you're trying to fill anything, choose me instead, because I'm the better choice. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, the author says, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Hang on to, attach yourself to the one who's eternally unshakable. I was talking with Mark Spencer, which this won't surprise you what I'm going to say next. And he was talking to me about attachment theory. (laughs) So our our in-house I don't, he's not a clinical psychologist, but that's what it feels like sometimes. But, and what he was saying to me, we were sitting at Caribou over in Blaine, and he said to me, people who have healthy attachment are grounded. And it's like they have one foot that's grounded, and so they're able to reach out because they know that this is grounded. And they have this ability to risk, the ability to reach out, ability to serve, ability to be humble, ability to, you know, do all these things because they're grounded. Their attachment has been healthy. Their attachment has been good. Scott and I grew up going to um, the lake. We met when I was nine at the lake, which you probably get tired of hearing someday. And, but his younger sister and I are the same age, and we would spend, we would go out on this raft, we would push the raft out that Scott's dad made, and you. Did you make it with your dad? And so we would go out on this raft. We would bring out some water, and we'd bring out some oranges because we liked the way the peels smelled in the sunshine. And we would lay out on that raft for eight hours every day. That was my life growing up on the weekends when I was about 10 to 12 to 14. But there was something that was needed to do that. It was an anchor. So we would put the anchor up on the raft and we would push it out and we'd swim it out, swim it out, push and swim and push and swim. And I still love the water to this day. We'd get it to where we want it to be, which is always way farther than the parents want you to go. And then you throw the anchor over and then you could start. You could start your big, busy task of laying in the sun. <laughs> and we trusted that the anchor would be there. Sometimes, if it was a windy day, the raft would go like this with the waves. And when it went like this, if the anchor was over here, the anchor would come off off the bottom, and you might drift a little bit. Remember the sermon Mark did a while ago on Hebrews 12? I can't remember the 
where I said, be careful of the drift. And then you, would, you know, the wind would do this. Sometimes, if we didn't tie the anchor on properly, you'd be quiet. <laughs> um, you, you'd lose it. And it just came to my mind this morning during worship that are we tied on securely to Jesus? I know it seems so simple. Are we attached to the right thing? Are we attached to something that's stable and healthy and good? When I was looking up a little bit about attachment theory, don't tell Mark, but I looked on Wikipedia. It says this, insecure attachment patterns can compromise exploration and the achievement of self-confidence. The set goal of the attachment behavioral system is to maintain or achieve proximity to the attached figures. Attachment to the one who doesn't move, the one who is undeniably unshakable, is Jesus Christ. And are we attached to him? We use a language around here about being with Jesus. It's just another way of saying that. It's just simply attach yourself to him. Make sure he's always with you. Make sure he's always in your presence because the world will shake us. Life will shake us. But he's undeniably unshakable. Undeniably unshakable. He never moves. He never changes. He's always there. His new covenant is grace and forgiveness. Draw nearer to him. If I could encourage us to do anything, it would be draw nearer to him. Ask him, Jesus, what do you, am, I, am I attached to you the way you want me to be? That's a dangerous question. Verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. When we read devouring fire, I think he's redefining what that means. It's not a devouring fire as was at Mount Sinai of wrath and anger. It's a devouring fire of discipline that will shake and remove anything that is not of Jesus. And when you feel that happening in your life and you start to feel uncomfortable, you start to get anxiety, you know, today at the beginning of worship, I'm moved by that moment. In that moment, do I ask the Lord, Lord, what is this? What are you saying to me in this moment? Because whatever you have for me, I want. Or do I run from the, the uncomfortableness? I hope more and more in my life I, I learn to just choose them and say, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? Because I want what you want. Even if it doesn't feel really good at the time, <laughs> I want what you want. Because he's shaking and removing anything that is not of Jesus. And if we trust him as unshakable, undeniable, trustworthy Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, and everything like that, don't we want what he has for us? Because what you really have come to, what we've really come to, is a relationship with Jesus. (laughs) Sometimes Mark and Brenda and I will talk and we'll say, Well, here we are again, back to being with Jesus. (laughs) And sometimes we'll have the conversation or I might think, I wonder if people are getting tired of hearing about being with Jesus. We pray about it. Jesus isn't getting tired of it. He's not getting tired with it. 
And I don't think it's because we're not getting it right. Because when I look around Bridgewood Community Church, I see people getting it right. I see people, like Jeff was saying, people are feeling welcome when they come here. People are trying their best to be a community where we love each other and there's going to be imperfections. I'm not saying perfection. That's not what I'm preaching at all. But it, when there are mistakes, do, how do we respond? Do we respond in love? So I think we're getting it. I think we're, we're, we really are for each other. That might be an easy way to say it, that we're people that are really for each other. I'm, I'm for whatever Jesus is doing in your life. And I feel that we're for that for each other as a community. So it's not that we're not getting it right. It's that we're going to get an upgrade. The more that we press into our relationship with Jesus and we say, hey, how are we doing today? Or even at the end of the night, when you lay your head down on your pillow, you say, Jesus, how did we do today? Is there anything you want to say to me about my day today? I look forward to seeing you in the morning. It's gonna, we're going to get an upgrade. And that is an attractional church. When we know how to be with Jesus, now we're talking about being attractional. Now we're talking about, about that, that supernatural, Holy Spirit-led people that bring Jesus into his presence. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you... <laughs> What do I want to thank you for? I thank you that you have given us a new covenant of grace and forgiveness. I thank you that you have given us a, a call to an upgrade as a family here at Bridgewood. I thank you, Lord, that you are relentlessly pursuing our relationship with you. And I pray that we would respond accordingly you are trustworthy and unshakable. Lord, as we go back um, into, if we, as we go into offering and back into a time of worship, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and let us know what's on your heart for us today. And Lord, we give this offering to you. We really do want it to glorify you. We want to be good stewards of it. We want uh, you to be pleased with what we do here. And I ask, Lord, that for on behalf, would you multiply it and would it reach wherever you want it to reach? In Jesus' name, amen.